Welcome back to Dial H for Hero Clicks. This is episode 190. My name is Chris Britton, and let's go. For Hero Clicks is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day, including all your latest Hero Clicks singles and sealed products. So check them out at CoolStuffInc.com. Dial H covers the game of Hero Clicks and other nerd-related content. Joining me in the studio today is my sexy ranch hand co-host Calder Ness. What's going on, Calder? Howdy there, Chris. Howdy. Howdy. All right. Well, how much? It's just That's you and it. I this week. It is just you and me. It's, it's lonely. Well, but, but it's good. Yeah, no, it's it's great actually because we have like a million things to talk about. Uh, the whole X Men set dropped, so we're gonna get into that into the Who news section. It? We had some yeah. great videos come out earlier this week, and I wanna talk about those. But first, let's start off by talking about your trip to Comic Con. Hey, so in MLK weekend, the 13th or the 15th, I went to Ace Comic Con down in Phoenix. Arizona, well, Glendale, but small details, small details. I got lost in that city so many times. It's different from South Dakota. When you drive around, there's just a tiny sign that lets you know you're in a different city as opposed to miles and miles of land in between each. Crazy how cities work when they're actually big. So what, what was the first day? Saturday was the first day. It was a bit of a weird convention. didn't start on Friday. And the huge long lines. I was Daredevil this day, the Defenders Daredevil with Jessica Jones and Scarf on, so I could barely see, like, ten feet in front of me, and everything kind of had this gray fuzz. I was wondering about that, actually, but... because uh, <laughs> Calder sent me a picture of his cosplaying, and I was like, this dude's blind. I mean, actually blind in this. <laughs> Which is actually character accurate, so it's good job. super character accurate, yeah, right? Uh, no, I can actually run up and downstairs fine. Going downstairs was hard. Until I figured out I could, like, look between the, the space, between my nose, poking the scarf out, and, like, there was actually a clear space. It was a, it was a fun day. I could barely tell how big the convention center was because because uh, I was half-blind that entire day. But it was great. Two people wanted pictures with me, and a bunch of people said, Yo, Matty Boy! So that was kind of cool. I did not know it was called Dared Up for Matty Boy, but I guess we do. And so that day, right as it started, we went in and we did the Chris Evans, Captain America panel with Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, and Chris Evans. They asked all these really cool questions. The important one was Sebastian Stan talked with Hugh Jackman, and he kind of said it would be great to have, you know, to have him here. But he, you know, Hugh Jackman said to Sebastian Stan, I, I'm surprised they let him say this, but that he's just not going to be in any of Marvel's X-Men. He just, he knows it's time to retire. So that was, like, sad. But I was, I was also interested in, like, Sebastian Stan just talking to Hugh Jackson, I guess. <laughs> that was cool. That is cool. Uh, Captain America, Chris Evans, didn't have the beard for this convention. He was totally clean-shaven. I thought it was interesting. And where did Bucky... Oh, so they... So Anthony Mackie, he is so great. He, he, like, kept the spirits, like, up. Like, Captain America, Chris Evans, he's really good at, like, talking and talking for a long time. But Anthony Mackie is just hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen in – I cannot remember which movie it is off the top of my head. But in the extras on the Blu-ray disc, there is a special, and it's specifically covering Anthony Mackie. He looks like he legitimately loves his life. 
when he's on like the sets of the Avengers and actually it might have been Captain America two. All right, so Winter Soldier. I'll have to check that. I cannot remember. It might be I, I could be mistaken on that, but that dude legitimately loves his job. You can tell. That that is beautiful. He's, oh man, he's just he's just so energetic. He was like, yeah, I love I love going Halloween and seeing I can't do his voice, but he just loves seeing all the Captain Americas and the Falcons and stuff. And then that's right when Sebastian Stan came in to like sweep the people's hearts, and he's like, yeah, I love all the female Bucky's out there, and you could hear the audible wooing sounds of all the women in the audience. <laughs> that man, so charming. But anyways, that was a great panel. And after that, there was instantaneously back to back. It was the Stanley Todd McFarlane panel. And it, there's something so surreal about seeing Stan Lee, like, in person, like, that close. And by that close, I mean the nosebleed seats of a hockey arena, but still, whatever. It was it was cool to see him talking and stuff in person. He's 95 years old, and he's sharp as a tack. Todd McFarlane did an introduction for Stan Lee, and it took, like, six minutes. And Stan, he, like, runs right up those stairs with no help. Like, no one helped him up the stairs. And I'm like, my 95-year-old, if I got a 95-year-old grandpa, he'd probably need help. But anyways... He was like, well, great job, Todd. You took a one-minute introduction, and you pulled out to ten minutes. Are you proud of yourself? I'm like, jeez, Stan. <laughs> Just out the gate swinging. He, he's like, I'm 95. I don't have time for this. I'm stuck in there, Todd. Come on, man. <laughs> so that was great. He talked a lot about what it meant, means to be a writer for Marvel. He talked about his alliterations. Like, hey, if it's the same letter, I can remember it easier. And... When someone actually asked a question about what it's like to break into the comic industry, so do you want to be a writer? You're right. You figure out the guy whose writing is like your least favorite at this comic company. Because you're not going to replace the guy who's working on Superman or Captain America or Spider-Man. You're going to replace the guy who's working on whatever, you know, so I'm just going to say Iron Fist for this one. You, you can replace that guy if his writing is bad. So make sure your writing is at least better than his, because... If Todd McFarlane can draw goofy eyes, you can draw goofy eyes. I'm like, oh, Sam. <laughs> so, yeah, so drawing and writing, he says, hey, if, you, if you're better than the worst guy in the biz, then you can probably start climbing the ranks. I thought that was really cool. He's like, you want to write? Write. You want to get muscular? Lift weights. You want to fight the good fight? Fight. I'm like, oh, Stan, I'm like, cool, You know so what I'm I wonder? Sure. Uh, during the 90s, that's when Image Comics became a thing. And how much do you know about Image Comics? Pretty much nothing. Okay, so it was just a bunch of actual content creators that decided they no longer wanted to work for Marvel or DC, and they band together, and they're like, we're going to go start our own comic book company, and all of the creators will own the rights to their own characters. So that's why, like, Todd McFarlane still owns the rights to Spawn. But they basically threw Marvel and DC under the bus during the 90s. They were like, these companies are horrible to work for. And that's why they started their own. So I wonder if Todd McFarlane forgot that he said all those mean things about Marvel back in the 90s and maybe Stan Lee didn't forget. (laughs) Maybe. Stan Lee still seemed like he was was beating up on Todd pretty well. I mean, all in good fun, I imagine. But uh, but st- hmm. maybe never forget. Stanley never forgets. Well, Stanley can say whatever Stanley wants to say. That, is, be that is very true. So that was basically the first day, and not really much else happened besides those two. Awesome- oh, there's a Haley Atwell panel too. That was pretty great. Uh, Carl Urban was supposed to be at the convention, but he canceled on uh, Saturday. Which is a 
really sucked. And I was like, oh, I can talk to Carl Urban. Like, because you, you had said you met Carl Urban at a convention. Like, sweet, now I can talk to Carl Urban. Nah, Chris doesn't have something up on me, but nope. I didn't get to talk to Carl Urban, so that's just how the dice roll. And I actually had a photo shoot, so this is a bit crazy. There was, you can only get Chris Evans photo shoots if you bought a VIP package, and I'm not ready to spend $700 on a VIP package to get Chris Evans photo shoots. Oh my lord. Right? Was it really that expensive? It was that expensive, because it was never just a standalone Chris Evans. It was like Chris Evans with Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan or Spider-Man or something, right? Yeah. And, like, this is needlessly expensive. Chris Evans' autograph would have been 170 His photo op would have been 200 I believe. And so that, combined with the normal three-day pass, the lowest you're going to get was $500 for a Chris Evans, uh, you know, full pass VIP thing. And oh, he's So, yeah, I know, right? And I was like, I'm a big Captain America guy. It's like, I had to make something happen. They had a lottery to win a photo op at half price, right? So you could purchase a photo op at half price if you won the lottery. What? Yep. They wouldn't even give one free they photo op give away? One. Yeah, right? Oh, my gosh. Anyways, I, me and a friend entered, and I actually won it. And I'm like, oh, I'm buying the lottery. So I bought the $100 photo op, won the lottery, which blew my mind. And I'm getting ready to go, and it's at 4.30 is my photo op with him. 3.30 is my photo op with Stanley. And I wasn't able to get a signing, which really sucked. But there's a secret little story later. But Chris Evans actually gets sick on Saturday. So everybody that bought a VIP or a photo op or anything else had to get it refunded or exchanged for a different one because Chris Evans was sick and was not going to be able to make the rest of the show. So even though I won a lottery, bought the photo op, flew down to Arizona, he still got sick and I still couldn't do it. So we stood in line. We actually got in line for the refund really early. And there were these two chicks in front of us that were just beating up like, oh, they say we can just, you know, take our Chris Evans and trade it for a Tom Holland one. I don't want a picture with Tom Holland. The kid looks like a goblin. I'm like, whoa, hey. (laughs) Uh, He's Spider-Man and rich. Yeah, so. Uh, It doesn't matter. (laughs) Exactly. Jesus, they are scary. So I got that refunded right at 2.50. I decided, well, I'm going to go drop the line for Stan Lee. Get 40 minutes early there. Got in line. And I stood in line for an hour and a half before they actually let us in to take pictures with Stanley. So it's like 5.30 right now. And I go in, and they're like, all right, everybody, get your bags ready, get your stuff off, get whatever you want for your picture. They take the little card that you get once you turn your seat in. Stanley's sitting there. He's looking good, man. They're taking pictures, and it's just like you get four seconds with the man. You're in and out like a flash. I hand some guy my bag. He, he like he like looks at me. I'm like, dude, come on. They basically did a cavity search when I tried to get in this convention anyways. And I go ahead, I stand next to Stan Lee, I'm like, sir, you and Jack Kirby molded my life pretty much, I want to thank you so much. He does like a little, uh-huh, like that, and it's, ready! Aim! And it would flash, and then just yell, next! And then you'd move on. You got like five seconds, maybe, with Stan Lee. I touched his back, felt great. Man. Felt great. <laughs> uh, and you walk out. Oh, I... He's got to be mentally checked out of this by now. Like, I met Stanley too, like, five uh, years ago, and that was just to get a single comic book signed. He didn't I, even look at me. I, I can believe that. He looked forward pretty much the entire time. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. So, so I guess it dilates to prove people to meet uh, that, Carl Urban. Um, people not really... You're going to get your biggest bang for your buck, Stanley. 
So I don't know. So just to go over one one autograph story, which is fun. So I wanted to get this Captain America Sentinel of Liberty thing that like Stanley actually wrote, signed by Stanley. And I'd ordered it and it was like fifty bucks and it was in really nice condition. But they're all out of signings. So we actually go to the Stanley signing booth and I ask him, Hey, is there any way I can get any more like a way to get an autograph here on the con floor? I couldn't order one online. And they say no. But then one guy who was in the booth who does like this head nod thing, like a I don't know, it's like in an alleyway, he like nods to the outside of the booth and I'm like, Okay, and I do a head nod. We meet outside and he says, Yo man, you want a Stanley autograph? I'm like, Well yes, that would be fantastic. Is I got six of them right here. All right, now they can be yours. But you got to pay face value, and I'll give them to you. You can turn them in. You just stand the IR. I'm like, well, really? You have just six extra autographs laying around? I'm like, yeah. First off, that's a lot of money. Second off, that's cool because it's only 130 bucks for an autograph. It's like, if you don't want to take my way, you can go to that booth over there, and they'll, they'll take 120. You give them the comic. By the end of the day, it'll be signed. Now, this is shady. And I love Shady, so... <laughs> and I love Shady! I go over to this booth and I say, so, how would I get my comic signed by you guys? Like, will you give us a comic, we'll write your name and phone number on the back, and then, at the end of the day, it'll be signed by Stanley. I'm like, well, how do I know if it's authentic? Because we work with the authenticators right over there. And there's this big Stanley booth, Stanley authentication. I'm like, okay, let me go check with the other guy. I'm like, all right, man, sounds good. I go, you know, I do the head nod with the other guy. We meet outside the booth again. I'm like, you know what? If it's selling 10 extra bucks, I would like to actually be really close to Stanley as he's signing. He's like, all right, man, you made the right choice. He gets out the autographs. He's like, here you go. I'm like, all right, that's 130. I was like, what? No, it ain't 130. What's six times 130? I'm like, well, I don't want six autographs, buddy. Slow down here. I just want the ones. like, oh, no, they're a package deal. So do you have $700? No, I don't have $700 in cash. <laughs> so... I, I, I can't obviously buy that many autographs from Stan Lee. So I just go back to the other roof. I'm like, okay, I'll give you guys the 120. I'll give you my book. I'm trusting you here. I'm like, no, you won't be disappointed. I'm like, this is so bad. So I, gave <laughs> I paid him up front 120. I came back at the end of the day. Sure enough, it was signed by Stan Lee. I went to the authenticator people. They're like, this is the unauthentication thing. They took me downstairs to CGC. They say, hey, this is a nice book, really cool. I signed up for a CG, that's a comic grading, you know, you know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I signed up for their account, I sent off my book to get graded, and it'll be back here in like, I don't know, six months, two weeks. I don't, I'll just roll the dice on that one. Six months, two weeks, who knows? Okay. So, that was fun. And, <laughs> one, one last story. Just well, that. that's, I just want to say, that's one of the shadiest stories I've heard. Was it, was it not? And I was in a while. He's like, so, are you really going to do this? I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to do it. <laughs> other, other comic artists I did get to have signed up. I met Mike Zeck. He did some of my favorite 80s Captain America covers and art. And he also did all of Secret Wars, which is really cool. He oh, came see, up I with just me. assumed you were a huge Leafield fan. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, but speaking of bad artists, I did get some books signed by John Amita Jr. John Amita Jr., if you're listening, I don't mean you're a bad artist. Excuse me. I think you're a, a, a above par artist. Uh, John Amita Jr. is one of the worst artists he is. in all he is of Marvel bad. Comics history. But, but that one run that he drew of Captain America is actually a really good run of Captain America. So I had him sign two of those. I got a picture with him. He signs it J.R.J.R. I mean, it's fitting, I guess, but... 
he, he was chill about it. He was the only artist that when you paid five bucks to get it signed, he would actually donate it to some other place. So I was like, ah, okay, I'll, that's get, cool. I'll get books signed by John Muir Jr. Good on uh, him. John Cassie was there. I, I really don't know who he is, but I had a book by him, so I had him sign it. So that was fun. <laughs> okay. Mike Zeck is probably my favorite because I had this old Captain America comic that I found like at an antique store. As a kid, I saw it, and like Captain America is upside down. And they're like pulling him out of the water. I'm like, oh, is Captain America dead? I'm like, I just... I just found out who Captain America is two months ago. I don't want him to be dead, you know? So, as a kid, this is scary for me to see. And <laughs> he probably... I made him sound really old when I said antique store and as a kid when I was talking about this comic book. But anyways, he actually said this is the very first cover of Captain America I ever drew before I was permanently on the book as an artist. So that was really sweet to have him sign up. That's pretty cool. And finally, on Monday, it was... The WWE day, pretty much. They had Jimmy Hart, Eric Bischoff, some ring chick. I, I don't pay attention that much. Then Sting and Hulk Hogan, which is awesome. And that day, we decided we were going to be Sting and Hulk Hogan. It's like basically midnight before the convention, so the day of. And this is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So we go to Walmart. We buy face paint. We buy yellow and red fabric and stuff. And I freehand a Hulk Hogan bandana for my friend. And then in the morning, I wake up, I borrow his leather jacket, I gel slick back my hair, and then I white and black face paint. The black barely worked. Did not work at all on the lines, which sucked, but I did it anyways. And I wore the darkest shade of lipstick we could buy at Walmart. We couldn't find black for some reason. So I had this really dark red, which looked horrible. But anyways, I was Sting. That's, that's all that was important. I was Sting, and I basically only seen three matches with Sting in them in my entire life before this. And WWE Monday was probably the slowest day of the convention since Carl Urban wasn't there and nobody else was there. Stanley, everybody else was gone. It was just Hulk and Sting, pretty much. During both panels, they actually let us sit front row, like, seats because we were in costume. And because oh, that's cool. Were there. They say, hey, fr front row and really the first five rows are supposed to be VIPs. But it's like, well, we want you guys to be in the pictures, so go ahead and sit up front. I'm like, ah, oh, awesome. That's so awesome. And I'm shaking my boots right now because, A, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm sweating like a whore in church because I've only seen three Sting matches before this, and I've played WWE 2K16 or whatever a few times, and I really like playing Sting because he had cool looks. And, uh, yeah, it came time to, like, ask Hulk Hogan took questions. And right as Hulk Hogan came on stage, though, he was like, I love all the Hulkamaniacs out there. Watch yourself, Sting! And he pointed right at me. I'm like, ha, oh, I... <laughs> Please never do that again, sir. That was terrifying. But, yeah. He could still kick your butt, man. He totally could. Dude, his, his arms are huge. That dude is ginormous. And so, with that, I did actually ask Sting a question. It took me forever in line, like, to actually get there. But I just asked him what his favorite look was and what he'd go back to. And he said Surface Sting. Surface Sting is really cool. So, I agreed. <laughs> and, well, uh, man, I'm... Yeah. Do you have more? There, there's one thing. There's this other Sting cosplayer there yeah. who is very philosophical in his questions. We basically called him Philosophical Sting. So whenever, when he asked Hulk Hogan a question, he said, what's the key to relationships? And Hulk's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean by relationships? You know, in life. And I'm like, what? That was just more vague. But anyways, he asked that question, and then when he got to Sting, he's like, so... This is your 20 years of being a born-again Christian. Like, well, that's not a question. That's a statement. But okay, dude. Uh, you really done your research. Congratulations. It's like, what's the most important part of your life? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? What is 
oh, getting married. I'm like, okay. Like, he, he asked these really deep questions that had really nothing to do with wrestling, but it was, it was interesting. He was that one guy that everyone was like, come on, next, next. Next, next. <laughs> no one cares next. for your questions. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Oh, that's fun. Well, I'm really glad that you, well, it sounds like you had a really good time mostly. Spent a lot of money. That too. <laughs> well, YOLO. YOLO. But whatever. Yeah, I don't All want right. this podcast to turn into a <laughs> sting discussion podcast. Anyways, yep. That's not, Fun wait, that, that's not what this podcast is about? Yeah, we don't, this isn't a wrestling podcast. I thought we just talked about WWE, WCW. No, true. Uh, wrestling is a new podcast that we're starting. And well, at least for Hogan. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to some news, some <laughs> nerd-related news that I just really wanted to talk about. Not too in-depth, but first of all, Pacific Rim Uprising just came out with a new trailer this week. Trailer number two. It looks fantastic. Fantastic! There's robots, Jaegers, fighting what? other robots. What does it mean? I what? don't know, but it's I'm seriously fanboying out over here. I loved the first Pacific Rim so much. I don't go to the movies that often. I really don't. I go see the Marvel movies. I went and saw Justice League, but I will definitely be in a seat for Pacific Rim too. Dude, Pacific Rim, John Boyega. What does it mean? Is, is he his son? Well, yeah, he is his son. But yeah, I mean, it's it looks amazing. Uh, please, whiz kids, do whatever you have to do to make uh, set number two of Pacific Rim. I didn't I know I liked Pacific Rim that much until <laughs> uh, the set had already come out, and it was like a year after the set had been out, and then I saw the movie, and I was like, well, I don't want to go back and get these old clicks. If they come out with another set, I'll buy every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So, that's, oh, man, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Um, I did, just to go to the trailer, a little bit of specifics about the trailer. All kinds of different Jaegers that all have different weapons. Dude, the we, one with the ball and chain, like, mace thing, uh, sweet. I like the energy whip. Oh, that's cool, too. And then there's one Jaeger that has, like, he's florentining swords over here, yep. cutting through buildings. I'm like... What? Yes. This is a popcorn flick if I've ever seen one, man. I'm going to be so oh, yeah. happy. Clapping in the theater and whatnot. Oh. All right. Moving on. Uh, got a uh, video for from Emergency Awesome, which is a YouTube channel that I watch her videos every once in a while. Recently this week, Brie Larson had just had her first leak. I don't know if they're leaked. Set photos of her on the set of Captain Marvel. She is in her Captain Marvel costume. Calder, tell me about this. Well, it looks like the Captain Marvel costume. All from the part, you realize that it's green. Yep. Not, not red green. and blue, it's, it's green. So that it's was weird. jarring at first. It's weird, but this Emergency Awesome video does explain two possible reasons why it is green. One, uh, they might just invert the colors in post, which will make them pop because the cameras will catch the green better as she's moving around and then they'll invert the colors later in post-production to turn them the colors that they're actually supposed to be so don't really worry about it being green now movie magic guys movie magic or two this is an homage to the original captain marvell and his costume was green 
It was indeed. So, I guess we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a fantastic movie. I love Captain Marvel. I don't think that they make bad movies for Marvel anymore. So, I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, to quote Chris Evans, because I was there and you weren't, haha. Marvel, <laughs> Marvel, well, they, don't, they don't miss. That's You said that. But uh, you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- there's a reason that they make that much money. Yeah. Holy cow. But, um, okay, last thing in news that I found on Polygon.com is a very, very short little article about where the Avengers are. Apparently there was a Black Panther prelude comic that was released. Mm. Uh, they've been doing this for years. They have, yeah. like, prelude comics for, like, all the Marvel movies. Uh, but uh, this one specifically just laid out where all of the Avengers were between Civil War and Infinity War. Two so, years. Long time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And because it is written specifically for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is canon. Mm. And it does count. So if you do care, it's interesting. If you don't buy the comic, you can at least go read this article. And as always, all of the videos and things that we just mentioned, there will be links in the podcast show notes. To go view slash read all of that stuff. All right. Moving on. Uh, you want to do X-Men stuff? X-Men stuff? Oh, yeah. Hey, there's an X-Men set. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. The whole set is out now. The whole set. So in typical Dial H for Heroclix fashion, we have gone through the entire set. Calder and I have both chosen a single figure from each rarity level, minus chases and primes because we're that's what everybody always goes and reads. Yep. But our favorites from each of the other rarity levels. Uh, Calder, start us off. What figure would you like to talk about from the common slot? I chose 007A, Moria McTaggart. Uh, she's 25 good. points. Ooh, right? 25 points, zero range. No special combat symbols. She has X-Men and scientist keywords. X-Men team ability. Her dial is pretty simple, but for 25 points, I think you get a lot of bang for your buck. She has sidestep and willpower, top dial with 7 speed, 9 attack, 17 defense, 1 damage. Then she has willpower for 2 clicks, and then outwit for 2 clicks. That's a 3-click dial, so sidestep, willpower, just willpower and outwit, and then just outwit. But that's not really why I plan her. It's because she's the cheapest character with the headmaster trait, which is leadership and perplex, but only to target other friendly characters with the X-Men keyword. During force construction, you may include one student ID card on your force without adding the cost. This is actually really good for 25 points. Exactly. You get a three-click on dial. You get the X-Men team ability. You get a student ID card. You get leadership. You get perplex all for 25 points. And with the new change to leadership, she's taking tokens off your big brawlers. So... That 200-point Magneto. Exactly. Ooh. Not from this set. I'm Not from referencing this set, no. older Magneto. Yeah. Okay, well, she's good. I like her. Let's move on to my pick for the common slot, and that's going to be Hellion. I chose Hellion because I legitimately like him as a character from the comic books. He's a jerk. He has telekinesis, huh. and he tells people what to do all the time for no reason. I don't know why I like him, but he's actually really cool. 40 points, sidestep, 6 speed, uh, 10 attack, special attack power, push to the limit. Telekinesis. When Hellion uses it, you may deal him one unavoidable damage. If you do, after resolutions, he can use telekinesis at no cost. Yes, you have a 40-point double TKer. Hmm. But not only that, he has two traits. He has the Hellion's uh, trait, which says, 
When this character's attack roll is 10 or more, damage dealt by that attack is penetrating. So that's cool. For 40 points, you have 10 attack and possibility of penetrating 2 damage? Maybe? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. The second one is X-Student. When this character's on an adjacent friendly character... No, when this character's or an adjacent friendly character's attack roll includes exactly 1-5, modify one target's defense by negative 1. He has leadership. This is another 40-point leadership figure that you can use to take off those wonderful tokens off your 200-point magnetos. Beautiful, beautiful, Chris. I love it. I actually really like it. Hellions, man. Moving on to the uncommon slot. The uncommons, which which very well upgrade several things about normal commons. I chose Jubilee, 026. She is 50 points, no team affiliation, uh, no team ability, 5 range, double bolts, no special combat symbol. She has trait Generation X. Everybody with Generation X has this trait. Power, move up to 5 squares, and then make a close attack. So they always have pseudo-charge, which is better because her speed value, she would never actually you know, move 5 squares. For charge, anyway, she has an 8 speed, then 7 speed, and then a 6 speed. Just so you know, she has Generation X and X-Men keywords. She's running shot top dial with 8 speed, 10 attack with a special attack power, 17 defense with ESD and 3 damage. The special attack power is the sunglasses aren't just fashion, dude. Energy explosion. When Jibaloo uses it and hits, modify all hit characters' attack and defense value negative 1 until your next turn. She has that for her entire 5-click dial. Once she loses running shot on her second click and her second and third click have perplex and her last two clicks have stealth. You know what the best part about this is? What is that? She's not a super rare. She's not a super rare. Get her. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so I'm a huge Jubilee fan. I love her. And finally, we have an uncommon, easy to get Jubilee who's actually good. Yeah. Not only was she a super rare, she was a super rare that only came with the team base. That was like. One of the hardest figures to get ever, probably. Super Prime is borderline impossible to get to. So, awesome. I mean, they made her. She does not suck by any stretch of the imagination, so that's pretty cool. And it's the old school Jubilee with their firework powers instead of Vampire Jubilee, which a lot of people hated. Yep. Cool. All right, moving on to my uncommon choice. We're going to go to a character that I just really like his powers. And that's the ability to know every language. <laughs> uh, Cypher, number 21, a 70-point dial. He's weird, because if you know anything about Cypher as a character, uh, he's got a best friend. His best friend's name is Warlock. And they get intertwined at some point in the comic book into one physical being, and that is embodied in this hero click. So uh, Cypher actually has two point totals okay so the first point total is 70 but the second one is going to be 35 points so his 35 point dial looks like this it's two clicks long um he has sidestep seven attack i'm sorry seven speed zero attack and zero damage on both clicks okay that's weird but it is what it is 16 defense energy shield deflection on both clicks special damage power it says everything comes down to language Adjacent friendly characters and friendly characters within three squares with the new mutants keyword have protected outwit, which is awesome. Wow. It just gives all your people protected outwit. That's pretty cool for 35 points. 
Um, it's just adjacent friendly characters, which means it does not have to have the keyword, but if it does have the new mutants keyword, because that's when this whole like warlock thing, whatever happened, uh, that happened in that comic book. He has uh, two, two traits. Um, the first trait is Cypher slash Duglock. That's what he's called. Duglock. Yeah. Huh. Huh. When he merges, his well, his name is Doug Ramsey. Okay, I got and then, you. Yeah. Huh. And then this, that's he dies if he passes the red line uh, for his 30 point, 35 points, right? So the second trait is New Mutants. At the beginning of your turn, if this character is adjacent to a friendly character with the New Mutants keyword, you may heal this character one click. Uh, if you do, friendly characters can't make attacks this turn. So it's a good thing that says you may heal this character one click. That way it doesn't lock you out from being able to attack. But it's like three clicks of healing on your turns where you're clearing. Yeah. So that's cool. So what's the 70-point dial do? On click three, he goes into like, oh, I'm being protected by Warlock now. It's a stop click. Invincible. Cypher can't be healed above this click for the rest of the game. So he has three addition. The total dial looks like five clicks long, right? Yep. Um, so three clicks of, of Duglock is what you've got. Um, the first click is a stop click, like I said. He also has shape change, three damage, ten attack, poison, and plasticity. But it's weird because he actually gets better on every click after that. So uh, that's what his stats look like on click three. By the time he gets to click five, he has ten speed sidestep. 12 attack with poison, 19 defense with invincible, and 4 damage with close combat expert. So you he's so pushable. Oh, he's yeah. so pushable to get him onto that last click. He goes 17, 18, 19 defense. So Going up. I like it. And you know what's fantastic about this figure as well? It is also not a super rare <laughs> like Warlock was. Uh, yep. <laughs> From that set. So that's why I chose this one. Hit me with your rare. Very nice. I chose the all-new Wolverine X-23. I absolutely love all-new Wolverine in the comics. I, I think she has a sweet look, and I'm very glad that she became Wolverine. And her hero click is really amazing. So clocking in 100 points, zero range. She has Indomitable for only special combat symbol. All-new X-Men, Circle of Four, Weapon X, X-Force, and X-Men keywords. She's six clicks long. I'll go over basic battle, and I'll go over her three traits she has. She has charge, 8 speed, 11 attack, blades, 17 defense, combo reflexes, and 2 damage with flex top dial. She kind of keeps the same thing on the second click with all the same powers. Stats go down a little bit. Her middle two clicks, she loses charge and perplex, still has blades and combo reflexes at a 17. Her last two clicks, she gets charge, blades with a 12 and 11 attack, battle fury, and regeneration. So sticking around power for sure. And her three traits are unexpected team-ups during force construction. All new Wolverine gains all of the keywords of one character. She shares at least one of her printed keywords with. So circle of four, you want to put her on a soldier team using, you know, Agent Venom or Red Hulk. Go ahead, do that. Weapon X teams, all new X-Men teams, X-Force. She has so many insane team combinations with this. It's awesome. Her second trait uh, well, actually, I'll say that one for last, since that's his own character. Her third trait is Kickstarted Healing Factor. At the beginning of your turn, you may roll a d6 and add the number of action tokens on all-new Wolverine. On a final result of five or more, heal one click. And it does not say power or anything, so we'll just assume free action, just to roll a d6, plus our action tokens, and heal her up. 
Her last trait is Jonathan, the Unstoppable Wolverine. Free, once per game, generate a Jonathan Bystander token. The first time each game that the Bystander would be a KO'd, instead, it isn't. So basically, it's a Bystander with uh, two stop clicks, give or take. Jonathan looks like he has a 7 charge, 10 attack with blades, 16 defense with nothing, and 2 damage with Battle Fury. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Um, I actually read the all-new Wolverine title, and with the introduction of Jonathan as, like, an animal, it's awesome. He's treated like a pet. It's fantastic. Oh. Uh, but this is a fantastic uh, Laura Kinney. Really good. I think, I think they did a really good job. All right. I'm going to talk about what, if you are a long-time listener of this this podcast, you knew that I was going to talk about this figure because oh. you know I love this guy. Number 46, Gold Balls. He's awesome. It's fantastic. 45 points. Five-click long dial. An entire dial full of Force Blast. So there's that, which is weird. Five, uh, range, two, bolts, keywords. This is weird, but it makes 100% sense. He has a Spider-Man family keyword. He also has the X-Men keyword. Um, In the Ultimate Spider-Man comic with Miles Morales, Gold Balls stops going to the X-Men classes or at the academy or university or whatever, and he actually starts going to high school, regular high school, and he finds out that he goes to high school with Spider-Man, and they become BFFs. Nice. So, all right. So what does what does Gold Balls do? Probably one of the coolest things I've seen in a really long time because I think it's so stupid. He has two traits. One's X student, so I'm not going to read that one again. Uh, the second trait is called Gold Balls. It's a uni- unique modifier. Opposing characters adjacent to, occupying the same square as, or holding one or more Gold Ball objects, modify their attack and defense by negative one. <laughs> he creates Gold Balls all over the place. He has a special attack power. He has it the entire dial. His attack goes 10-11, 10-10-9, so it's actually pretty dang solid for a 45-point character. It's called Poink, which is the onomatopoeia <laughs> that Gold Balls <laughs> makes when he creates Gold Balls. Thank you, Brian Michael Bendis, and if you hate Brian Michael Bendis, then we probably aren't going to be friends. When Gold Ball hits an opposing character with a ranged attack, after resolutions you may generate a standard light object named Gold Ball in the hit character square. So, this is positive and negative in a way. So, if they have stealth, you just gave them stealth. Which, uh... Wait! No, you can't hide in nope, not light objects object. anymore. Never mind! I just remember that with the rules change. Uh, but, they do still get the hindering terrain bonus, right? Yeah, well, at the very least, they can't pick up a gold ball and hit you with it. So... Uh, well, yeah, that's true, because all characters have super strength now, uh, so they can pick it up, but their attack is going to go down by me- negative one, their defense is going to go down, down by negative one, but if they're just standing in it, their defense breaks even. So, for 45 points, this is fantastic. I, <laughs> I love Gold Balls so much in the comic book. i got to play him and uh, Frogman on a team now, Spider-Man family. That's going to be cool. <laughs> Gold balls, man. Uh, all, all right. right. Uh, kicking off the super rares, uh, I got Dust. 50 points. X-Men 2 ability. 4 range. 1 bolt. No special combat symbols. Helions and X-Men keywords. 
Hell yeah. She has an awesome sculpt. I just want to get that out of the way right now. With the sand flowing and her body kind of it's cool. It's really She's great. Awesome. She has sidestep for her first three clicks, precision strike for her first three clicks, and a special defense power for her first three clicks. And her last two clicks, she just has regeneration. Her speed is nine eight eight nine nine. Her attack starts strong with an eleven, followed by two tens and then two nines in the end, and then her damage. So our defense starts strong with 17, two 16s in the middle, and two more 17s if she has regen. And her damage starts with a 3, has three twos, and then ends on a 1. She has improved movement, elevated and hindering terrain, because, you know, sand. She has the same ex-student trait, which is the roll in the 5. I'm not going to read that. Another trait is scouring sands. She has smoke cloud as free, but only to place four markers. At the end of each opponent's turn, deal one damage to each opposing character occupying or adjacent to a smoke cloud marker placed by dust. That is awesome, since it is a free action to do. Second, it's it's basically ranged poison, which is great. Her defense power, which is her first equips, swirling sands, super senses. Dust modifies her defense value by plus one for each adjacent smoke cloud marker placed by her. So... If you want to just place all the smoke cloud markers next to dust, she can have a 20 defense. She's so good, man. Oh, really good. All this for 50 points, by the way. She's so good. Like, this is one of the best characters in the entire set. I'm not joking. She really for 50 is. points. This is fantastic. And precision strike on top of that? <laughs> I don't know what's precise about a windstorm of sand. Don't ask questions, Chris. Shut But yeah, but seriously, she's, she's great. She's really good. Uh, you should never, ever be unhappy to pull this figure if you pull this figure. Even if you've never heard of Dust. And I haven't. Good. And I'm like, wow, she's awesome. Uh, she was introduced in the comics the same time that uh, Hel- uh, Hellion was. Oh, nice. Uh, Hellion, Mercury, Rockslide, Anol. I think like one more of the figures. By the way, like... I counted them earlier, but I forgot what it was because I don't know why. But there's like 13 or 15 characters in this set that have never been clicked. Nice. That they clicked for this set. Um, And it got a little wonky because 10A through C are all the uh, cuckoos, the the triplets. And technically, I guess they have clicked them before, but it was just named cuckoo. Uh, They were never named individually like they are here so uh but yeah dust is really good for my super rare that i chose i chose him because they've never clicked him before i thought that they probably never would click this guy because they really haven't used him in the comics books almost at all in a decade or more um Last time I even remember him popping up was in the Secret Warriors run that I think was written by Hickman. And that was when uh, – you know who Manifold is? Yes, I do. Okay, well, basically Gateway was mentoring Manifold. Oh, nice. Yeah, so 50 points, Gateway, Generation X, Reavers, X-Force, X-Men, keywords. Uh, you have – so Gateway has – literal gateway powers he's a teleporter that makes sense um he has uh 12 speed with uh energy not energy shield deflection that's going to be phasing teleport 16 defense with super senses zero attack and that's because he's a pacifist uh, so it makes sense 
Um, that's why he doesn't. He does not like being part of the X Men. That's why he. So if you don't know who Gateway is, he is an Aborigine from Australia, and he's a pacifist, <laughs> and he just hangs out in in the lands of Australia doing his own thing, and they show him like meditating a lot. Like that's his normal pose in the comics is him just like mm. hanging out. So that's why he has zero attack, zero damage. But he does have probability control, which one of the best things about X-Men Heroclix is that they have some of the most uh, saturated probability controllers in the game. Very like true. there are a handful of them in the Avengers, like Dr. Druid or something like that. Uh, but there's so many probability controllers in X-Men, and now they added another one. So he has no special powers, but he does have one trait, and it's called Wormhole Walkabout. Passengers 8. Oh. He, yeah. <laughs> Gateway may carry characters with wing symbol or battle fury if they share a keyword with him. When Gateway carries two or more characters after resolutions end your action phase, begin the end of turn phase. So yeah. they pretty much made it so you can't first, well, I guess a first turn, you can grab everybody on your team yeah. and just like plop them in the middle of the thing. And then he's just going to be a probability controller for you. But uh, I just really like the fact, I have not seen the click itself, but I have a strong suspicion he's probably like meditating. <laughs> he's like meditating and hovering. Or something. Is he? Yeah. Oh, then I called it. <laughs> yeah. That's, all, that's what he always does in the comics. Every single time he's seen, that's what he's doing. Yep. Um, and he's silent a lot too, so he's he's interesting. So I'm glad they made him as a figure. Finally. Finally. All right. Do you have any more clicks that you want to talk about personally? Yeah, I just wanted to talk really quick. Uh, the chases don't really interest me, but one of the primes kind of caught my eye. Professor X. Brood Xavier, this guy, he is kind of crazy. I have no idea what he's from. He's Professor X, the Broodhead, and he needs to be talked about. He's the rare prime, so that's 37B. He's 90 points, no team ability. He's got 8 range, 3 bolts. He has flight and indom. He, he's still in the wheelchair, but he can fly. And he has Brood, New Mutants, and X-Men keywords. His top dial is basically the same for the first three clicks as his last three clicks are basically the same for the last three clicks. He has a special speed power for three clicks. He has blades for three clicks. He has an 18 toughness for three clicks, and he has one damage with special damage power for three clicks. In the second half of his dial, four through six, he has stealth for three clicks. He has pen blast for three clicks. He has one click of toughness, then two clicks of nothing. He has one click of that special damage power, and then two clicks of shape change. He's got two traits, a royal egg for each of you. When an opposing character of 50 points or less or another friendly character with the new mutants keyword is KO'd, generate a royal hatchling bystander. The royal hatchling has zero range, flight, six speed, mind control, 10 attack, blades, claws, fang, 17 defensive toughness, and two damage. So that's fun. And he has another trait, Headmaster, New Mutants. is just all the other Headmaster's traits, but they work with New Mutants. Leadership reflects, and one student ID card to your force without adding cost. His special speed power he has for search speed clicks is Hive Mind Control. Mind Control sidestep when Professor X uses Mind Control and hits replace each hit character's attack and damage value with the highest printed attack and damage value, respectively, among them. So that's awesome. When he has an 11 attack, 8 range, triple bolts... 
and he can go ahead and he can target whoever he wants. And as long as like one character has like a twelve attack or something nuts, they are all swinging for a twelve attack and like something like six damage or whatever, you know. So that's awesome. So all the little guys can basically take a chunk out of the big guy, and you know they'll revert back to normal once the mind control's over. His special damage power he has for his first four clicks, augmenting your powers to make you better hosts in power and shape change. So I actually have one thing I want to say about the hive mind control power. Yep. They're probably going to have to rule on whether it recalculates the second an opponent's figure reverts back to their force. Yep, they probably will have to do that, won't they? Uh, so I guess we'll see. Now... They probably meant that they're locked for the turn, so as soon as you hit everybody and then you calculate whatever their printed attack and damage value, whatever the highest is, it probably locks that, but it does not say that, so True. that's open for interpretation. So, other than that, really cool, and on a side note, I had no... So there was a picture that was released of this, and I thought it was a mod. I did not know that... <laughs> I, I thought someone had cut off the head of the brood figure and cut off the head of the Professor X regular figure and just put brood on Professor X. That is, that is not a mod, apparently. <laughs> that yep. was just, like, really lazy. <laughs> it is lazy. They just slapped a brood head on him. And I don't know if this is what it looks like in comics, but that's what they did. Oh, man, that's really lazy. But I will. Okay, we bash on WizKids a lot. But... I like to, I like to give them credit when credit is due, and we need to talk about three figures that specifically do things against what we've been harping against for a really long time. Calder, what do we hate around here? What what is one of the worst things that they continue to make for powers or for uh, figures? Man, it's those darn picker powers, Chris. I tell you what, they're always ruling the meta. Always. And. Every once in a while, they get this idea in their head that they're going to try and create silver bullets for certain aspects of the game because people are complaining about stuff. Case in point, look at all of the authority, almost all of the authority. Yep. All of them have, like, little silver bullets specifically anti-whatever-was-the-meta back then, and that happened. Now, it didn't go over real well, and maybe these won't go over real well, but WizKids tried, so we have to acknowledge that. Good job, WizKids. They made three figures in this set that are specifically anti-pick-a-power or work directly against it in a way so that it mitigates their power or – and we'll get into them. They change. They all do different things, but you'll get the, the vein of what we're going with. So let's start off with Leech. This one is the one that – well, actually, the first two probably we'll see play. We'll see. Meta oh, yeah. play. I'm, I'm talking meta. Um, we will see. There are ways around this already. They were real easy to figure out, but let's go. 30 points, Leech. It's an uncommon. Anyone can get their hands on this guy. Uh, Generation X keyword, not going to matter for meta. But you have a three-click long dial, and he has a special damage power. By the way, he's a tiny character, so you can carry him yep. and not use one of your action tokens or your actions for the turn, which makes it more meta, by the way. Because you have to conserve your actions in, meta, in the meta. Oh, yes. But he has a trait. It's called Lockdown. Whenever an opposing character would use an effect that allows it to choose standard powers to use, 
you may first choose a standard power. This turn, that character can't choose that standard power that you choose. So you get to, like, pick one power that you're like, nope, not, not happening. Which is so, very nice. Yeah. Really cool. So that's, like, a big bane of all... Because you know, I mean, if you play enough meta, you're going to know what they're going to pick next turn. Pretty much. And if you have Leech on your side, I, it, even if he's all the way back in your starting area, this power will still trigger, right? Yep. So uh, that's really cool. You can at least pick what you don't want them to have, and then they'll have to choose something else. And it may ruin an entire turn from them, which would be great for you to help you win. So the damage power is says uh, don't get too close. Outwit each time Leech uses it. If his target was within four squares, uh, after resolutions, he can use Outwit again, targeting a character not already targeted by Outwit this turn. And then in parentheses it says he can keep using it as long as he has targets. So you can kind of just put him where you want to and just like Outwit like three or four or five characters, however many people they have on their team, yep. if they're all close enough. So that's pretty cool. It's also nuts. So just the not needing a line of fire to use his first trait or range to target. You can leave him all the way in your starting area or just move him into stealth, whatever you want. And he basically controls that piece, you know, at least half of it for the entire game. As long as they don't, you know, run all the way back to your starting area and take him out. And if you want to get risky, he has a stupid good outwit where he can outwit every single figure, you know, one power on everybody that he can see crazy. And you just carry him up with yeah. your your uh, primary attacker, plop him down, outwit some stuff. Even if they are not using a pick a power, which I if this continues, this little trend, I see them phasing out pick a power or at least nerfing it into the ground that way it breeds a better meta yep. scene where you see more diverse teams and whatnot. Well, but. with the existence of these three figures, already people are going to be like, well, maybe I should find something else to play instead of Unimine, just because everybody is going to at least have one of these three, just because of how low their point costs are on their team. <laughs> and they made even uncommon. <laughs> yeah, and uncommon. Uh, and the next two are rares. I'll uh, go ahead and start Prodigy. He, you know, he's got X-Men. He's 35 points, so he has five more points than Leech, mind you. He's got X-Men, X-Factor. It doesn't really matter if you're playing him on a meta team anyways. He has the X-Student trait, which also kind of doesn't matter. That's the whole roll of five. He has two traits, and he's got special defense power, late dial. Oh, you, hold on. You mean Darwin. You Darwin. Said oh, you said Prodigy. Okay, sorry. Darwin. I'm talking about Darwin. Everybody's favorite guy. Like, I killed off an X-Men first class. He just couldn't adapt, which kind of sucks. Anyways, uh, when Darwin is targeted with an attack, choose a standard defense power, Darwin can use the chosen power for the attack, which is awesome. They're shooting at you with Penblast, go ahead and choose Invincible or whatever. So that's kind of neat. Also, he has second trait, and this is really why you're playing him. I can adapt so much faster than you. Whenever another opposing character uses an effect that allows it to choose one or more standard powers to use, after resolutions, deal that character one unavoidable damage. Wow. That's fun. Unimind has good. five clicks. Just keep that in mind, guys. Five clicks of really good defense values and really good defense powers to choose. If they use Unimind to choose powers like you would, he's killing himself pretty much. One unavoidable damage. That's insane. So let's okay, say... So you want to you wanna talk about how you can already get around this figure, which is I don't think that they 
they planned for this. How's that? It, if you have their team and they use pick a power and you do one unavoidable damage, yeah, they'll take that one unavoidable damage. But guess what triggers? Colossal retaliation. Ooh, also true. So I'm just going to, like, you use your Darwin on my Unimind, and then I send my Carnage over to your face. But fun fact, you can't one-shot, you know, Darwin. You, you cannot, actually can't. You cannot one-shot. So he has Adapt to Survive, and he can also choose a defense power. So whenever a Carnage comes up swinging, you can, of course, choose an Inspore or whatever you would like, maybe Combat Reflexes, so he has a 19 defense to Carnage. And he has Stop. Regeneration on the last two clicks of his dial. So he has two stop clicks and he has regeneration combined with a trait where he can choose any defense power he wants. Yeah, dude, he's really good. It's really good. Uh, it, it's not like the Colossal Retaliation is not a hard counter to Darwin being a counter. But it is a way to makes... get back to him. Yeah. 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 So that's one little thing. I don't. They probably could have worded something. A certain way to prevent that from happening just to be like ha gotcha pick a power but realistically I, I don't think they care that much uh, but for 35 points this is a really good figure and he still has the x-men team ability so you can still trigger yep. that so yay all right last figure prodigy uh prodigy was i think the other than colossus this was the first id card that we saw so that's cool uh, 30 points, X-Men team ability, X-student trait, and he also has another trait. Uh, knowledge sponge, once per turn, when an opposing character uses an effect that allows it to choose standard powers to use, you may choose a friendly character. Prodigy and the chosen character can use those standard powers until the end of your next turn. So that's kind of cool. That's not as powerful as the first two. I get that. But this is just still in the vein of, like, anti-pick-a-power. Uh, this guy is definitely more fun. He's not, like, a straight, like, shutdown, kind of. But it's like, hey, if you choose, you know, Running Shot Pulse Wave, I can choose my main attacker and me to also get Running Shot Pulse Wave or whatever, you know? So that's really that's, cool. Yeah. But just to go to the figure itself, stats-wise, you do have, and powers... You do have a 30-point Outwitter. He has 9 attack, 2 damage with Outwit, and Willpower and Sidestep. So you can at least use him for Outwit. If And that's the cool thing that they did with all of these figures. Even if you're not playing against somebody that has a pick-a-power figure, Leech still has Outwit, Prodigy still has Outwit, and Darwin can at least take massive yeah, damage. Yeah, can take damage. So... All of that's, they're all still useful, even if you're not playing against pick a power. Exactly. So, yeah. These guys uh, are dumb. And I, I guarantee just all the meta, meta teams, I said metal again, all the meta teams we're going to see upcoming will have one of these three on those teams. You can basically guarantee that's going to happen. Now, Someone can say if they already, you know, nerfed Unimind in a way. But to me, that's how Unimind should have been. And they nerfed Jakeem. Now this is like an extra kind of slap in the face, if you really ask me, to those teams, which is fine by me, trust me. But I'm going to see some meta people are probably going to be a little salty that, A, they nerfed, you know, Unimind oh, being a college Oh, no, I, I have know. to make my own team Oh, now. no, I got to get creative, <laughs> and I can't just buy everything. Yeah. <laughs> 
sorry, not sorry. <laughs> uh, out of these three, though, if you had to guess which one would be the number one likely candidate to end up in the meta field, what would you pick? I personally, I really like Darwin because of him. You know, they take one unavoidable damage. And I cannot tell you how great it would have been to have that because even if that Unimide I played against and the other Unimide I played against would have just used their picket power once and taken one unavoidable, I would have killed them and potentially won the game. So I'm definitely going to go with Darwin on this one. Agreed. Darwin, number one. Leech, number two. Prodigy, number three. In likelihood. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm done talking about X-Men. The whole set's out. Go look at it. There's some good stuff in here. This actually turned out to be a pretty solid set with the number of characters that are that were unclicked and now are clicked. Check it out. Good stuff. Except for Professor X Dreamer, that's a piece of garbage. Yeah, pretty but Magneto Realist is a piece of gold. And one last chance just for me to say gold balls. Yes. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Not really news Heroclix related, but more news like Dial H or Heroclix podcast related. We finally did it. We finally broke down and started a Patreon. <laughs> oh no, they're about to ask us for money. Yeah, sorry. So, we tried to be as original as we possibly could with Patreon, where we're not just going to ask you for money. I'm going to plug some stuff about the podcast. And I'm going to talk about the Patreon, because what we're going to do is create a Patreon that is not only filled with the most amount of awards and the most original awards that you can get for any clicks-related content creator Patreon out there. We are also going to create a Patreon that is engaging and has a lot to do with community. Thanks for your buck here, folks. Trust me. That's what we do. That is what we save did. you money. We save you money on the value corner, so you can give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but really, check this out. I had this great idea, and I'm just gonna read this because it sounds convoluted, but I promise you, it's not. We are introducing a cumulative donations rewards program. Here's how it works. We have broken our listeners down into five categories. Okay, category one is citizen. Two is Vigilante. Three is Protagonist. Four is Superhero or Supervillain. And five is a Dial H Superfan. Okay? So you can actually obtain any, attain, I'm sorry, attain any one of these categories depending on how much you donate over time. Okay? It's cumulative. So if you get onto our Patreon and you start donating $1 a month, uh, you'll be you'll be a citizen for the first nine months, but in month ten you will be upgraded to vigilante. It says your donations will be added together over the entire duration of how long you continue to donate to Dial H. When you reach the next rank, you will be shouted out on the podcast as well as formally recognized by your title every time you're mentioned on the podcast. And that's if you tweet to us, or you email us, or you send us a Facebook message. So it gets even better when you reach rank four, so that's when you become a superhero or supervillain, we are going to give you guys the ability to exercise your creativity and come up with your own superhero or supervillain name, and we will address you as that on the podcast, in tweets, and other things like that. So that is a thing now. Now, why would you donate to Dial H? 
here are multiple reasons why you would donate to Dial H. One, we actually create more content than any other Heroclix content creator. I mean, not not saying, but, you know, we're just saying. Uh, <laughs> if you just add the number of hours a month that we put out. Yes, we do not do video. And a lot of videos are only, like, ten minutes long. But we create episodes that are hours long. We can talk Two. for hours. We can keep going. Two, I do not want to uh, slander any other content creator out there. There are a lot of wonderful guys and girls, some of which have been on this podcast. We appreciate that. Uh, still go give them your money. But we are working off of a value-for-value value concept here in the Dial H studio where we know that we are there for your guys' commutes to work when you're mowing your yard. When you're doing all kinds of regular things in your life and just if you think that we are giving you entertainment and making your lives just a little happier or getting you through, then just please think about possibly donating to Patreon. Uh, three. We release four episodes a month. I looked at every other podcast and not one of them puts out as much content as we do. Uh, they are very inconsistent sometimes. Place people that are only making one episode a month, two episodes a month. I've seen upwards of three, but no one is making as much as we are. So there you go. Um, so you can engage with us and just help us out to do that and keep the podcast running and... I know that I have had multiple uh, listeners actually contact us and ask us why we don't have a Patreon. And that is one of the reasons why we decided to finally pull the trigger and just say, okay, we'll do it. They really uh, because, want those figures, man. Yeah, then <laughs> the things that we've mentioned before is like what we were trying to do. This is all gauging up to, I guess, this where we want to get decals out and grow the brand and interact with you guys and stuff like that. We're getting new followers on pay, uh, Podbean all the time, on Twitter all the time. More people are interacting with us, which is fantastic. So this is a way to, you know, help us out. Help us help you all just be part of this community. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh I want to call that heroic level, by the way. If you, uh, all all this information is on the Patreon, by the way. Go I check it this out. out. It's also yeah. cool stuff. So there we go. I'm gonna move on. Stop trying to get your money out of your pocket. Yeah. For now. Let's go on to community uh. Tuesdays question, which is the weekly question that we put out every Tuesday on Facebook, on Twitter, and let's see. Um. If I can get my phone to work. I'm trying to get my computer to work. Oh, yeah, community question. I got to get the Dial H page. <laughs> Ahem. We are professionals here at Dial H for Heroclix, giving you quality content you can always count on and deserve. But, you know, my computer's slow, so just give it a second. I, I got it. Hey, there we go. All right. Community Tuesday's question was, which characters would you like to see as title characters in the upcoming Batman set? What would their ultimates be? Design your title character. Uh, so, I guess, are you up and running, or you, you want me to start? I'm a, you can definitely start. Okay. We have Chris Kurtz. Uh, he said that, I'm going to go with Robin for the title character. 
Uh, ultimate would be sidestep and attack, repeat till all characters that can be hit once are hit, basically. Mm. So that, that would be kind of cool. That would not be overpowered at all. No. Um, and by the way, Chris, I was just I was giving you crap on Twitter, man, just because you chose chose Robin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's that. I, um, I've got another great great choice here on the Facebook. Uh, the Penguin for a title character. So whoa, yep. I didn't even th- I forgot about him. Crazy. So David Collin said the Penguin, and if I had to design my own hair, it would be something like this, where plus one's free, friendly characters get a plus one defense, and can use the Batman two ability. Now, this is not for the Penguin. This is for somebody else. This would be a Batman, but he still wants the Penguin to be a title character, but the, these stats are for Batman. So, oh, okay. Character 2. Friendly characters get a plus 1 to combat values for this turn. So all combat values plus 1, which is really good. Negative 6. Friendly characters can get a move action as a free action, modify speed value plus 2 this turn. So, that's pretty interesting. Hmm. To all move up. Okay. I would like to see what a penguin works. Penguin would probably work around the same as Joker's Wild one, but maybe a bit crazier with the penguins. I, if they ever make a, more penguins, I just want more crazy umbrella mechanics. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, if there were ever a pick a power figure, it would be penguin. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, on Twitter, we got Mr. Graves. I think this is the first time Mr. Graves. Has ever actually tweeted in, so thank you, Mr. Graves. Uh, Clock King would be fun. Didn't design the dial, but that's okay, because I forgot Clock King was a character. But if they make all of the villains that appeared on the animated series into Heroclix, Clock King definitely deserves a set. We're, we're in for a fun set, if that's true. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Sam and Jeffries, Terry McGinnis, this is the first of... Probably a few Terry McGinnis's. And for me, I definitely think Terry McGinnis is going to be our title character. His ultimate would be some kind of multiple outwit thingy to show Bruce is, you know, telling the kid what to do, get his opponent's strengths and whatnot. And I like that. That's cool. I like that too. Hey, you want to hear what uh, Superman Seth, Superfan Seth Aaron's weekly name is? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's hear it, shall on, we? On Twitter. Dayman, fighter of Nightman. Dayman! <laughs> all right here we go oh, man. all right yep <laughs> oh uh seriously seth knows all the best like yeah, memes and okay yeah random say whatever okay so this actually started a conversation between uh himself and the listener and the, it was on last week tiamu 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 man uh yeah, man. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Uh, so he said, I feel like if Batman and Joker aren't the title characters, it just wouldn't feel right. I'm not one for designing dials, but I'd say that those two have a yin and yang feel them, uh, feel to them, which is true. Uh, team who said, Batman seems like a lock considering the set and the fact that he hasn't gotten the title character treatment yet. Uh, the Joker, however, part of me is hesitant because he just got him. We just got him in Harley Quinn yep. and the Gotham Girls. Not impossible, but they haven't double dipped yet maybe batman and superman to pair off uh the two characters who headline their own shows in the dc animated universe i really hope we don't that, that that's not a thing by the way that's yeah rejected in the middle of this conversation but please please not batman and superman <laughs> um let's see skipping down uh seth said he just wants a strong uh 
a strong Joker that's based off of uh, Mark Hamill's Joker. Oh, a Mark Hamill's Joker. Nice. That would be cool. Um, getting his ver- uh, team, you said, getting his version of the Joker would make it worth it for me. I'm just very uh, wary of reclicking often repeated characters as title characters, since Wiz Kids has a bad habit of that. Um, mm-hmm. It goes on. You guys are more than welcome to get on there and, and read that. But for time's sake, we'll. Very fun. Uh, you you knew where that thread was going. Yep. I expect nothing less from the Master Karate and friendship for everyone. Uh, Aaron Morgan. So the Phantasm, and I really actually like this. Plus one. Line of Fire can't be drawn to this character. Protected Pulse Wave. Plus two. Uh, I assume this is negative two, but he put pluses for everyone, so I'm going to assume negative two. Can use Blaze Claw's Fangs. Damage, de- bleh, damage dealt is penetrating damage. I like it. And negative eight. For the rest of the game, this character would be KO'd. Deal all opposing characters in three scares. Three unavoidable damage. So, that character would eventually have to die. Because it can't always be would be KO'd for the rest of the game. But, you know, because then it's like, (laughs) oh, I would be KO'd. Ha, three unavoidable damage. That can only obviously Yeah, can Darwin exists. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mr. Clicks Flicks. Said Batman, and his ultimate would be I'm Batman. Quote I'm Batman. <laughs> it would be this is so broken, it's so dumb, and I love it. It would be remove 15. Opposing characters can't use powers or abilities for the rest of the game. Remove 15 because of <laughs> Batman. All right, I I'm like Batman. that. I like that. <laughs> uh, Killer Croc. I threw a rock at him. Plus one. Some type of limited range attack. I like this. Joker West. This is great. It was a big rock, negative six, short range attack with like you know three damage penetrating or something. And then he then he goes and says, "Hey, if I don't get references to this episode, I'm boycotting." So uh, I love it. You know when it, he pretended? Wait, who was that from? This is Killer's Joker West. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. No, they need to name every power on every figure in the entire set oh, after quotes yeah. from from the TV show. Eric the Red, hey, glad to see an answer from you again. Eric uh, said, yeah, I don't think it was wise to have two versions of the same character hold the position of title this early into the mechanic. So, no Joker. Title Batman, of course. I would like to see a super support piece in title Alfred Pennyworth. Ah. Uh, he, yeah, right? That would be pretty cool, right? And then he, he described this a little bit. He said, he has support and defend similar to Jane Foster his ultimate is remove five and use support on every friendly character on the map. I assume he means like regardless of adjacency yeah. or just every every character on the map that is friendly to you just roll off for him. That's awesome. I actually that would like be that. really fun, and we all love rolling dice. So oh baby, the more rolling, love rolling dice. The better. <laughs> uh, Tim Sear, more more of a comment uh, thing, but he's the only person who's not excited for the set. I can't get into DC that much. It really kind of sucks because Batman animated show is amazing. Uh, but he said maybe Alfred or and uh, Batman's giant computer in the Batcave. They seem appropriate for a major support piece, title character, etc. What? Wait, does he want the computer as its own hero click or just like Alfred? I think it's working, like Alfred using working the, the computer, power or... using the computer. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, they have made a bat cave they have. before. It's it big. was pretty awesome, actually. And if you've never seen a bat cave hero click in real life, you really should ask somebody to show it to you. It's, it's absolutely really cool. ginormous. Yeah, it's really it's cool. so cool. Um, uh, 
WizKids, can you bring back enormous hero clicks again? Thanks. Please. Uh, uh, little Plastic Superhero said, Of course Batman will be a title character. Maybe have his ultimate be something along the lines of remove six for the rest of the game. As long as Batman is on the map, Batman can use Outwit regardless of range and line of fire. The second title character may be Robin or Alfred. Hmm. And or Alfred. I think... I think they should push that even further. If it's an ultimate, it should be, like, you should really feel like you're doing something amazing, right? So yeah. not only should it be, like, outwit regardless of Ranger line of fire, it should be, like, super, super outwit where it can outwit things that say, that are protected. Hmm. All right. Nice. Because he's Batman. Batman. <laughs> uh, so Dan Davis also had another little comment. I might just read his and then just read an actual title character. He's stoked for the set. He doesn't like title characters. That kind of sucks. Because I love title characters. So Dan Davis, not not a huge fan. But I'm gonna go into Tyler Muren. Albert Pennyworth. Eyes from the cave. I like this. I like this a lot. Fifty points. Eyes from the cave. Eyes That's from awesome. The cave. Fifty points. Batman allied team ability, six clicks, eight range, three starting plot points. When AP, just to shorten it up so I don't say Alfred Pennyworth every single time. When Alfred is KO, deal a character with the Batman family keyword, one unavoidable damage, and that character can't make any attacks on its next turn. He actually throws in the negative, which I really like. So, well thought out. Plus one plot point. Alfred can target any square with a range, with range within range and use perplex, or outwit as though he occupied that square which is awesome. Negative four plot. Choose an opposing character on the map within range, and that character has negative two attack, and choose a power that character can use, and they cannot use that power until your next turn. Rule 11, ultimate, negative seven. Choose two standard damage powers and a friendly character anywhere on the map. That friendly character can use those chosen powers until your next turn, even if they can already use those powers. Hmm. And there were there was some discussion after this, but yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so what I think that they should do, I assume that there are probably some HeroClix players that listen to this that never played Magic. So I'm going to explain something real quick. They started making Planeswalkers that had things where they generated, I think they were called like emblems. They were... They existed the rest of the game no matter what, even if the Planeswalker died. I think that they should start making the ultimates on the title characters permanent, regardless of whether they die or not, and not just until your next turn or something like that. All right. That's not that's not like super ultimate. That doesn't make you feel like you're really yeah. triggering something amazing. Agreed. At least to me. At least. To me. And I kind of feel that way with the X Men ones. Like Magneto's is what like negative nine. You just modify damage. I have a plus. That to me is really kind of lame. For an ultimate. Yeah, I don't know. But like Thor, they should have us design ultimates. They should. They should for them because because like every know. ultimate would basically be Thor's ultimate where they just get double action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I have a. Uh, I have one more on Twitter. All right. And it's from Collectible. The first uh, Collectible always thinks outside the box. I love getting tweets from him. Uh, the Riddler was treated so seriously in Batman the Animated Series. That he deserves a major league dial. Perhaps something that can affect the layout of the map or map choice. And perhaps being unable to be attacked unless he's the only piece left on the force. So if you think about Riddler as a character... No, this is me talking, not him. Uh, 
he's such a hands-off, like, laissez-faire character. He does not want to get his hands dirty. So, yes, like, make it... You know how Ant-Man, the newest Ant-Man figure? Like, you couldn't target him unless you only had, like, one figure on your uh, on your team left and stuff like that. Yeah. That's how they should make uh, the, the Riddler. And then I think because we were supposed to get more, like, alterable terrain other than just the boxing ring. Yep. So we're all just waiting for that. We have no news on that other than that it's supposed to be a thing in the future. Yeah. Right. I think that if they made that Riddler – they should also make a handful of probably smaller, maybe not as big as the boxing ring, but basically things you can place on the map that permanently alter the map. Hmm. I like and it. And then you can make an ultimate where you're, you alter the map somehow because it's the Riddler tricking into a scenario where it changes or something like that. They could come up with something like that if they wanted to. Okay. Alright, go. That's all I have. Alright, uh, last two then. Peter Zachary, Batman and Robin. So this is like, this would be a duo title character, which sounds really awesome. They could have similar effects, or just both Batman and Robin. Either way, I don't really know what he meant, so I'm just going to say it'd be great if they made a duo, but these are probably two separate. Batman would have a negative nine, pick four columns slash rows that Batman occupies, and roll to attack each character in that column slash row. It would be like Batmobiles speeding across the map, like in Batman Super in Injustice. And then Robins would be similar. It would be negative seven. You do the same thing, but instead of four rows and columns, you just pick and use the one that Robin is in, you know, and Robin would call, like, the Robin cycle or whatever. And since Bats and Robin called in the action, they would jump out of the way, so they wouldn't get affected by it, obviously. So that's pretty neat. I like the idea of Batman just like, ah, Batmobile, run a bunch of people over. That's pretty cool. He clearly played... um... Injustice. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. Uh, by the way, I did look it up real quick while you were talking. They've nice. only ever made one Batman and Robin duo click before, and that came from the Justice League. Oh, that was a while ago. From, yeah, that was a little bit ago. So they could definitely uh. be a duo click in this set. However, they did get rid of the duo attack ability. I think that one was a mistake, but whatever. Uh and they'd make it probably more like a flipping back and forth on the dial thing, like Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Yeah. But I, I think that's that's probably a bad play. Yeah, I was really angry to get rid of the duo attack since the duos in the Captain America Winter Soldier, you know, the chases were so well done with that duo attack ability. I definitely felt like it was a mistake changing how duos and duo attack worked. Yeah. But anyway, to to finish off. Ronnie Wieland. First is Old Man Bruce, baby. And I think this is a really cool idea for Tyler Character. 100 points, Batman team ability. Seven clicks long. Starting with sidestep, willpower, outwit, and energy explosion. His move is 8, his attack is 12, his defense is 18, his damage is 3, his range is 8 bolts. This guy really thought about it. Negative effect. If he dies, all characters can use range attacks for the rest of the game. Cool. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Can't use range attacks for the rest of the game. Uh, name power, name of the power is you're doing it wrong, plus one, negative one to all opposing characters, attacking damage value within ten squares until your next turn. Second power is negative two is wrong move. And 
It's outwit one power off each opposing character within ten squares. And his negative six is Bat Network. Negative six. Add one character with a Batman team ability and a hundred points or less to the map in hindering terrain. Ooh. Starts. That's cool. His second one is Batman Beyond. So carry. 100 points, Batman team ability, 8 clicks long, starting with sidestep, slash charge, energy explosion, impervious, slash supersensors, and outwits. Move is 10, his attack is 11, his defense is 18, his damage is 3, and he has 6 range with 2 bolts. Negative, no range attacks for all characters till the end of the game once this character is died. KO'd. Take this, plus 1. Place 1 Batarang marker in a square within 6 squares and line of fire. Batarang, this is the trait for the Batarang. Deal three damage to all adjacent terrain and characters when detonated. At the beginning of your turn, you may detonate all Batarang markers on the map. So that's pretty cool. Huh. Oh. That's in- yeah, that's interesting. His negative three is a minefield. Place three Batarang markers within six squares in line of sight. And negative six, Batsuit. Heal Batman Beyond to his first click. For the rest of the game, he has plus one to all combat values. Starts huh. with two points. I like the ultimate a lot. Yeah. I it, I completely forgot that Terry used exploding batterings until now. Like all the time, he used them all the time too. Yeah. Huh. yeah. In, in, in that you know. show, so that it makes sense. Um. Hey, Whiskids, listen to this guy. He'll design dials yeah, for you. Get get <laughs> make dials. Seriously, awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, so we were giving a copy of Doctor Strange out uh, to the listener that we liked their comment the best. So, Calder, you want to tell me who won this week's giveaway? Oh, by and large, it's, it's going to go to Ronnie Wieland. I hope I'm saying his name right. But, yeah, it's going to him. That was that was awesome. The Making Old Man Bruce was really cool, and the Terry McGinnis was just absolutely great. And this was actually a hard choice. I want everybody to know, like, I, I loved the Alfred a lot. And I, th- and I thought the Phantasm was really cool. Like, there were all sorts of really good ones, but just he blew me away with the Terry McGinnis idea for his dial. So it's going to Ronnie. Okay, Ronnie, congratulations, first of all. And second of all, I'm going to need you to message Calder with the code word BATTERING. Uh, that way we know that you listen to this, and hopefully you listen to it within a week. And if not, we're giving it to somebody else. That's that's <laughs> what we do here. <laughs> Seriously though, congratulations. All right, uh, I don't have anything else on Twitter. Do you have anything else in the community realm? Uh, real quick for community, uh, you mentioned this while I was gone, but I finally uh, visited my mailbox and I got my cool action tokens from Enrageous. They're all Captain America and they're all amazing. So I want awesome. I want to thank uh, Chris Kepron and just Enrageous so much. They're awesome. They feel nice. They're red, white, and blue, and that's so cool. I love them. Different art, you know? So, I want to thank him for the sweet action tokens I just got. Right on. I Actually, I think I saw him before you did, because he sent me a picture of the ones that he sent to you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, he does go good work. Listeners, go uh, go buy stuff from that dude. Buy stuff, good man. Stuff. We're just telling um, you guys to buy stuff right now. Just do it. All right. Don't forget, it's Community Tuesdays, so... It's, we're going to post another question on Tuesday to stretch your guys' imagination and test your creativity on things within the realm of 
HeroClix. You can find us on Facebook at Dial H for HeroClix. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Dial H4. That's the number four, HeroClix. Uh, you can email us at dialhforheroclicks at gmail.com. And now I have to add this to the end of every single one of these. You can find us on Patreon. Just search Dial H for HeroClix. And there's actually two Dial H for HeroClix. Make sure you choose the one that is correct with the heroic level stats and everything like that. Um, if you guys want to do one-time donations, you can as well. That's, I mean, that's okay. Anything would help us keep this podcast going and stuff like that. So thank you guys for all of your support in the community and hopefully in the future on Patreon. Fantastic. Okay. I, uh, oh, I, last thing I wanted to say. I was wrong about last episode being my 50th episode. I did not account for the farewell episode with the original three guys that I was not part of. Mm. So last episode was my 49th. This is my 50th episode. So yeah! So that is exactly... That would be a great present for my 50th episode is to jump on our Patreon. All right. Um, Thank you guys. appreciate all that you do. And... uh, you guys mean so much to me. I'll read this out. This might be the first time that I use the script because I basically say it in my sleep now. So Dollars for Your Clicks is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day, including all the latest HeroClick singles and sealed products. Check them out at CoolStuffInc.com. All right, guys. See you next week. See you Bye. later. Nice.